This is for report 75 on the fire movement. Let's start by talking about why this topic matters. We're talking about the fire movement, financial independence, retire early, because time is our most valuable resource. Unlike financial wealth, time wealth is non-renewable. The problem is that the idea of wealth is multidimensional. There are different forms of wealth, including financial wealth, health, relationships, and social bonds, as well as time. And financial independence helps you spend more time and energy optimizing for these other forms of wealth. The traditional path is that we work until we reach retirement age, usually 60 or older. The problem is that we're usually in declining health and we don't have a lot of time left. The solution is FIRE, which we've talked about what FIRE stands for. It's about living intentionally and not waiting until you're 60 to live your life. The way that we reach FIRE is first understanding why we want agency, why we want this optionality. And it comes down to finding out how much do you need to live the life you want on an annual basis, multiplying that number times 25. And we'll talk about this study where this 25X rule or 4% rule of thumb comes from. And then that number is your FI number, your financial independence number. From there, you want to have a savings rate that puts you on a path of reaching that number. The 4% rule comes from a study done by three professors where they looked at performance of portfolios of a mix of stocks and bonds. And they realized that if you had 25 times your annual expenses invested in the worst of years, you could still withdraw 4% from that portfolio and not run out of money. And that's what's called the safe withdrawal rate. In the report, you can find examples of people that are on the journey of FI, that are near FI, as well as individuals and couples that have reached FI. The first prediction is looking at remote work. And remote work is helping a lot of people realize that you don't have to work in the same place that you live. And this makes the expense side of the equation more malleable. So you can earn a San Francisco salary while living in Savannah, Georgia, or earn a New York salary while living in Mexico City. And that contributes to this idea of the quote unquote gap, the savings rate that you develop. And that's the delta between your income and your expenses and how much of your income you're saving. And the higher that percentage is, the earlier that you become financially independent. We can also look at the fact that passive investing is becoming very popular with index fund investing, as well as robo advisors like Wealthfront, which help with tax loss harvesting. And just as with any situation where most people start to zig, it becomes a profitable strategy to zag. So in these indices, there are companies that are overrepresented. There are companies that get bloated because everyone's following the vanilla advice to passively invest. So that opens up the opportunity for companies that aren't properly represented in these indices. But this is a more active form of investing because you're doing your own research. Other forms of active investing include real estate as well as micro private equity, which we've talked about before. Another prediction looks at the expectations of younger generations around annual returns, where usually we've seen 10 or 12% as a great year when it comes to returns, but younger generations are referencing crypto returns and using that as a benchmark. So they're looking at Dogecoin instead of the average or historical returns of the Dow. And that's leading to younger generations taking more risk for higher returns. They may not be comfortable or realize the flip side of risk, but we know there's no free lunch. And the last prediction is looking at traditional index funds. How will they emerge in a DeFi landscape where one property of crypto is that it's a sovereign asset, meaning that an individual, a group of people, a nation state can't confiscate that asset without your private key. So some people want to preserve the property of that asset, that sovereignty of crypto, 
while still benefiting from some of the relative stability of traditional systems and Vanguard total market funds. We have this in the form of tracking individual stocks. If you look at Mirror Protocol, where they create synthetic assets that track the performance of stocks such as Google and Tesla and other companies. Then we have protocols such as Balancer, which creates index funds, but for crypto native assets. We're not far off from seeing funds that emerge in the DeFi space that are tracking Vanguard total market funds and those that are similar. On to opportunities, where the first opportunity is to know why you're embarking on this journey. Just because you've reached financial independence, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of your problems are solved or that you understand the purpose of your life. And Greg is a great example of this. He raced to reach fire and he reached fire shortly after his 30s, but he spent a year or two finding out his purpose because he spent that time on that fire journey with tunnel vision without necessarily thinking about the deeper why. One thing that can help out with this is trialing the life that you think you want. The sharing economy helps with a lot of this, including Airbnb and Turo, but it also may be about habits or experiences that you would like to have. So if you think that once you reach financial independence, you will then take on jujitsu or go surfing or travel the world, you don't necessarily have to wait to have these experiences. And it's smart to trial these things along the way to find out what you like and also what you don't like. Another opportunity is around setting an aggressive savings rate. And just to put this in context, if you have a 50% savings rate for each day or month or year that you work, you're able to take at least that period off. If you need to stay motivated, you can look at milestones to set along your journey to financial independence. And you don't have to wait to experience the benefits of financial independence. There's a big difference between having an emergency fund and not having an emergency fund. You can experience a lot of the benefits in terms of stress reduction and optionality by doing that as well as having enough investable funds to take a mini retirement if that's something that you're interested in. You may not necessarily be financially independent yet, but you can take that time off. That gives you more negotiation leverage. If you want to take time off or get a raise or switch jobs, you have a buffer now to do that. And there are different levels of FIRE. There are things such as lean FIRE, where you have enough to cover your basic expenses. There's traditional FIRE, where you can maintain your current lifestyle that you have. And there's fat fire where you're living an opulent or lavish lifestyle without sacrifices. And you still have 25 times your annual expenses invested. We can also look at the power of automation when it comes to saving and investing. It's a fool's errand to believe that you're going to move capital each time you get paid to an investment account and then invest that money. Instead, you can automate that process. There's a lot of talk around dollar cost averaging. And this is something that people can automate and most people do automate who reach financial independence. We could also look at building high leverage skills where you don't necessarily have to have a high income to reach financial independence, but it becomes easier without necessarily sacrificing a lot in your current lifestyle while on the journey. And it comes down to the fact that you are your best investment. And later on, we'll talk about the difference between cheap and frugal, but you don't necessarily want to skip when it comes to investing in yourself. We can come back to this idea of geo-arbitrage, and this can be practiced internationally if we're talking about the difference between living in the U.S. or Mexico or Colombia or Brazil, but it can also be practiced within the country if you're talking about the difference between living in New York City or basically anywhere else and being able to lower those expenses to set a more aggressive savings rate. We come back to this idea of active investing where this can be a vehicle to not only earn more, but achieve FI sooner. And the trade-off here is time. When we talk about active investing, the assumption is that you're going to become more involved. You're going to put more time in so that you can do it correctly. And this can take the shape of real estate investing or 
putting your own basket of stocks together to get that diversification without necessarily following what everyone else is doing with Vanguard total market funds. In terms of risk, the first risk is around status games where you're trying to impress others. And this is a race to the bottom because there'll always be someone that's unimpressed or has a newer car or newer clothes than you. And this is very much about having an inner scorecard as opposed to an outer scorecard and understanding what enough looks like for you. Another risk is around high interest debt. Even if you're saving and investing, if you still have a lot of high interest debt or high interest debt at all, it's possible that you're losing wealth year on year because your savings can't keep up with the guaranteed interest that you're paying credit card companies. We can also look at high recurring expenses as we come back to this idea of a savings rate in this gap that you want to create so that you can reach financial independence sooner. High recurring expenses can be a barrier when it comes to aggressively saving. Another risk is around depriving yourself too much. There are stories of people on the fire journey who stop because life became a lot less enjoyable. And again, this is not about depriving yourself. It's about understanding what you value and allocating resources to those things. Whereas you want to question the things that you don't get a lot of value out of. One example from Brad of ChooseFi that I talked to is looking at he and his wife who reached financial independence and they value CrossFit, but don't necessarily put a lot of value into cars. So they drive older cars, but as a couple, they spend almost $400 a month on CrossFit memberships. And that's what it means to live intentionally where you don't necessarily have to be cheap or not spend money, but spend money on things that you get value out of. He mentioned that CrossFit represents his community. It represents health. It represents a lot of things for them. And that's where they choose to invest their capital. They don't necessarily care about impressing others and they don't get a lot of joy out of driving new cars. So that's not an area where they spend a lot of money. As promised, we come to this idea of being cheap versus being frugal. And there are people that will spend three hours to try to save $3 without understanding opportunity costs. And being cheap is optimizing for financial outcomes, but you're often doing this while sacrificing time, wealth, health, wealth, and relationships. Frugality is more about understanding value and dedicating resources to those things that you get value out of. On to key lessons, where the first key lesson looks at time, and time being our most valuable resource, which is also where we started at. Another key lesson is around simplifying. If you don't enjoy the budgeting process, you can simplify and you don't necessarily have to budget. To go back to Brad and I, we had a conversation about both of us reaching five without ever budgeting. We set aggressive savings rates, and that was enough to do it. We can also look at financial literacy, which is one of the most important skills that we can develop, as well as understanding tax basics, because for most of us, taxes are the biggest bill, the biggest expense that we will ever have, but we don't understand tax optimization. Another key lesson is looking at not taking on too much exposure. Everyone that I talked to had a nuanced view on debt, but there are some people that even for low interest debt, if you have a three or 4% interest mortgage on your home, there are some people that are still not comfortable with that, even though they understand and they know that they can invest that extra capital that they would dedicate to paying down their mortgage and on average make more in the stock market, they still can't sleep with that decision. So this all goes back to quality of life. And if that's a decision that they have to make to pass the sleep at night test, then that's what they should do. So as long as someone isn't living in ignorance around what they're giving up by paying a low interest mortgage off early, it's their right to do that. On to haters, where the first hater says that this journey to financial independence takes too long and time will pass whether or not you're financially independent, whether or not you're stressing about money. 
And you can cut years or decades off of your journey by making more, saving more, cutting expenses. All of these things are in your control. Another hater says that they don't want to cut expenses and you don't have to. You can focus again on making more, saving more and setting a more aggressive savings rate without cutting your expenses. There's this idea of fat fire, which focuses more on increasing your income and increasing your savings rate instead of solely cutting expenses. Your fine number is a personal thing. Your fine number can be whatever you want it to be as long as you take the responsibility for making that happen. Another hater says this is only for people that make lots of money. And in the example section, there are too many examples of couples that make less than six figures a year or a flight attendant that reach financial independence. So there are lots of examples, but we can't deny the fact that a high income helps you reach financial independence sooner. And for most people, making more is in their control. So you can earn more if you prefer to hold this belief that it's a lot easier for people who make a lot of money. Another hater says that money isn't everything. And that's where we opened up at in the beginning, talking about the different forms of wealth. And it just so happens that these other forms of wealth are easier to optimize for once you have financial independence. And the last hater says, I don't want to retire. And most people who reach FI don't take on the RE. They don't retire early, but it's about optionality and it's about agency. If they want to take time off or quit altogether, they can do that. And as they go into negotiations, they have more leverage and they tend to get what they want more because people can sense desperation and they can sense the fact that you're okay either way. Tim Ferriss has a saying that he who cares less tends to win negotiations, but it's hard to get this agency, to get this optionality if you're living in survival mode. I'd like to thank everyone who helped out with this report, including Stuart from Podcast Hawk, Jeremy from Spiffy, Brant from ChooseFi, Scott from Playing With Fire, Miles Beckler, Yardi from A4E, Michael from MPA Fine Art, Sean Waugh, Shayla from Primo Stats, Mike from Return on Security, Edward, Evangeline from Bungalow, Christoph from Cedar Labs, Mark from The Land Geek, Rob from The Culture Blueprint, Doman from 500 Startups, and Rolled from Untailored. This wraps it up for Report 75 on the FIRE movement. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to your thoughts.